Good afternoon, church. Are we happy to be in the house? I'm just going to turn this off because I don't know whether anybody who was in the morning meeting realised that Barry seems to have a heavy breathing problem this morning. And I'm sat in the front row thinking, what, like, what is wrong with him? Why? Like that. And then I realised every time he turned this way, the fan hit the microphone. For those that are listening on podcast, you had a heavy breather this morning. We apologise. Well, I realised three quarters away through and I thought, do I jump up and stop his flow? Because at that point, you'd got quite good. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, at last, don't stop the flow. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Welcome to church. If you're new here, you can relax. You can't get anything. And um, that's the best thing that I like to say to people. Just relax. You can't get anything wrong. Yeah, yeah, well, there's one thing that we are all focused about, and it's Jesus, and he's at the centre, and if we follow him, we're all going to be okay, yeah, amen, amen. I shared quite a few months ago, I think I've shared this twice now, because, like, I I asked Fatman now in the back, has anybody else got a sat-nav like, I don't know what Barry's installed on my phone, but as you'll know, monthly Stockton Heath, I ended up back at Stockton Heath. And I'm not giving you, it would take me like an hour. And in the end, I'd message Barry and he's like, but yeah, I don't know what the problem is. Like, I've got the same sat-nav on my phone and everything. I don't know what the problem is. Anyway, like this happened several times over a period of months. And I'm sat in the car next to Barry once. I wasn't driving, hence the reason why I have my phone in my hand, because that would be illegal for me to have it in my hand whilst driving. And I was like, Sir updated it. And I'm like, no. He was like, so when it flashes up at the top, update ready what do you do i was like i click the x button because it's in the way of the map and it's like that's why you keep ending up back in stockton heath vicky because you're never updating and 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 it happened again to me well it's just happened again i'm like does anybody's sat navs update as much as this one so it's just happened again to this one i'm like well ahead of the game (laughs) update you are not connected to Wi-Fi. Download unavailable. I'm like, no. But you know when you think about it? Spiritually, we need to be positioned well to receive the download. <laughs> I didn't tell Barry about that line before he preached this morning. In case he pinched it. But we need to, position, to be positioned well ourselves. Because it did not matter that my map needed to be updated. I was in the wrong position to receive the data. I was in the wrong position to receive the download and the update that was needed for the journey that I was on. And I had to wait to get to another place to be able to do it. But my heart for us today is that we would be positioned well because I haven't got up to be a motivational speaker. This To be a motivational speaker and you're going to sit there and critique me, you are going to be massively disappointed because you could have got better TED Talks on YouTube. (laughs) But I have come to speak words of life. And I've come to speak God's heart that God's given. So I'm not here to give you a motivational speech. But to be able to make it any more than that, we need to position ourselves well to receive the download that God has got for us today. Because I'm in your private time. You open the word of God. There is a download ready for you. Because God is alive and he speaks. 
He speaks. We read this morning that the men at the tomb said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Did you not know he's alive? He's alive and anything alive speaks. So today, let's be positioned well. Don't sit in in your seat and be like, well, let's see what she throws out there today. But if you position yourself well and say, God, what are you saying today? You will go from this place full to overflowing because my God always gives his finest. Amen. Are we positioned? Are we positioned well? You know, I believe that our lives are full of defining moments. I look through my life and there's been key moments in my life that have been defining moments. Moments that I know have been God get me on a course for life. And those times, if you pause to think for a moment, you will remember moments in your life that you know defined you. That they defined you. They were a God-given moment that set you on a course of life. And you don't need to pause for long to remember them. You know that those moments change things for you. Those times that we've been people thought about it. Despite what other people's opinions were on it. Despite what we actually felt like ourselves as to whether we maybe had the faith to believe. But in that moment, in that very moment, we chose to enter the moment. The God-given, defining moment. See, I believe that there's people in here today that you need to remember And there are moments that you need to revisit right here, right now, in this place. There are things that have happened in your life. There are commitments that you've made to God. There's commitments that you've made, godly commitments that you've made over your personal life. Godly commitments that you've made over your business. Godly commitments that you've made over your relationship. Godly commitments that you've made over your finances. Godly commitments that you've... But somehow... We've ended up off the path. And I believe that God is challenging some people in here today and asking of you, will you remember and revisit the moment? Maybe it's just remembering the moment that you first found Jesus. Maybe it's just revisiting that moment when you just fell in love with him and you realized how much he loved you. Maybe it's that moment where you're done and you knew how bad you were. That moment that you realized forgiveness was for you. Maybe it was a moment when God called you to something and you engaged and you said, yeah, I commit. But then the way got hard and it all got a bit heavy. Maybe we committed to something and through hurt, we've put up a barrier and we've gone, "Mm mm-mm, Lord, that means allowing people close to my heart. And so we wandered off the path. You know those defining moments? My defining moments are moments that I revisit on a regular basis. Barry talked this morning and he talked about, you know, some of his weaknesses and how then he goes back to the promises of God and he says, no God, you've said this. And they are his anchor. I want to say to you today, those moments you've had in your... And the reason why we need to remember and revisit and reconnect with those moments today are because those are your anchor. 
Those are the things that when the storms rage and everything happens, you drop anchor and you know that you know that you know you are safe. Because you, you know what God has spoken to you. Those moments, I've had it over healing. I've had it over finance. I've had it over managing stress, over my ministry, over my call. I've had moments in the last six years. Do you realize it was six years today since we were... Is it? Yeah, just twigged. Just had a twig moment. Wow. Um, in the last six years, believe you and me, I've had to revisit the moment that God called us on numerous occasions. On numerous occasions. It isn't that I didn't believe God, but it was because I'd let other stuff come in that I'd taken my eyes off him and the path that he placed me on. I had to stop and revisit the moment when we knew for certain that God had called us. And when God called us, he did not call us and say, it's all going to be okay and it's all going to be easy. He didn't say that to us, but he called us. And God has called you for things today. What have been your defining, defining moments? Because they are your anchor. That is the anchor that you will drop in those moments and say, I, that was a defining moment for me. I know that that was a God moment and nobody can take it away from me because I know. If you want to give my message a title today, it's stay the path. Stay the path. God has been speaking this to me for the last couple of weeks. Stay the path. You know we have an enemy. If that shocks anybody, like we really do. We have an enemy. We don't like to glorify the enemy. Okay, we have a saviour. Praise the Lord. Okay, and he's already won. So we're just going to put that out there before we talk about the enemy for a moment. So we're just going to put the enemy where he belongs, under our feet, make sure he's fully aware that we know Jesus has already won. But we have an enemy, okay? And the enemy is going to come and he's going to try and derail you sometimes. And he's going to try and knock you off the path. But this is why you need to always remember your God-defining moments. Because when the enemy honestly think that you can get up and you have anything to say, you really honestly feel now that all of a sudden you've got the confidence to be able to stand on the platform. I can speak to the enemy and I can say, well, I can do all these things because God called me. I can be who I am because God called me, because I know that he called me. And so when the enemy comes and he tries to knock you off the path, Your defining moments when you drop anchor will be what keeps you. To stay the path. Because I'm going to talk about a passage in the Bible and you will see the results of staying the path. And what comes from staying the path? Stay the path. Don't veer off. Don't let anybody else steal what God has given you. God has given it to you. It's yours and it's mine, and it is your anchor. Book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 6. Before this, it's about a, a couple called Elimelech and Naomi, and they had two sons. And they were in Bethlehem. There was a major famine and drought, and they moved to Moab. Um, and then tragedy struck. And Elimelech, the husband and the father, he died. And sometime later, both sons died and Naomi was left alone with her two daughter-in-laws. <laughs> I had a mental block then. And Orpah. The reason I had a mental block on Ruth is because I'm thinking, don't say Oprah. 
for Oprah. And like, don't say Oprah, it's not Oprah Winfrey. And I have sat in some preaching, people have said Oprah. So Ruth and Oprah, they're the daughters, and that's where we're going to pick it back up. So it says, with her two daughter-in-laws, she set out from the place where she had been living. So that's Moab. So Ruth and Orpah, they are from Moab, right? The Moab to Judah. Because Naomi has heard that back home where she came from, they have got a blessing. The famine is over. There is an abundance of crops. And she's like, okay, I've been living in a foreign land. I've lost my husband. I've lost my sons. I've got my two daughter-in-laws. And I'm going back home. I'm going back home to what I know because now that land is blessed and it's rich. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughter-in-law, daughters-in-law, go back to your mother for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye and they all broke down and wept. Naomi saying to these girls, It's not only me that has seen such tragedy, you have seen such tragedy too. And I want to release you to go back to where you came from. I want to release you to go back home. I'm going to go ways. She blessed them and she had a heart for these girls to send them home. They all broke down and wept. No, they said. The girl said to her, no, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes. And if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again, they wept together. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. The girls committed to not leave Naomi. And then Naomi says to them, no, please go. Go somewhere where you're going to be blessed. Go. Sent them back home. And then it says, together again they wept. But Ruth, after Orpah has left and said goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi, and to her gods, you should do the same. But Ruth, you see, Ruth has gone from making a collective decision and commitment with somebody to making a commitment for herself. So she has gone from committing to committing again. And I believe God is saying to people in here today, it is time to commit again. You've made a commitment, however that looks for you, whatever it is, made a commitment to me, but I'm asking you to commit again. I was talking over Messenger with somebody last night, and I literally written the words down. You've committed, but it's time to commit again. And this person messaged me and says, I've just been on my knees, and I've just... Committed again to Jesus. Not their life, they'd already given the life, but committing to the call. And whatever that was going to look like. Ruth alone, not together, Ruth alone replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. 
Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. To go with her. She said nothing more. Ruth had been offered a new life. Just like Orpah had been offered. A chance to go back to what she knew. A chance to go back to the comfort of her parents. A chance to go back to the familiarity of her land and her people. She had been given this opportunity just like Orpah had. Do you know it was something probably in her heart she ached for. She headed into a strange land. She, her heart probably ached to go back. I, I don't blame Orpah for getting back. She did the right thing. She committed. But then when Naomi pushed it, she was like, okay, bye. I don't blame her because I think her heart was aching. And I believe Ruth's heart was aching. And she was being offered something that she probably ached for. The security of home. Ruth chose to set her eyes on the path called faithfulness. You know, sometimes faithfulness isn't the most comfortable place to be. Because faithfulness isn't always from a place of familiarity, a place of comfort. Faithfulness is committing to something that you know is the right thing to do. And that was why Ruth committed and then committed again. And gave the speech that she did. She bought in with her heart. And she committed again and she spoke her heart out. And she spoke out what she knew was right to say and right to do. Because I think in her journey to come, she would need to revisit that moment. That it wasn't a mutual commitment that was made because it was the right thing to do. She actually committed again with her heart. She chose to set her eyes on a path called faithfulness. Faithfulness to Naomi and faithfulness to God and what God had called her to. It was the path less travelled. Orpah showed that. Actually, the path that Ruth chose, it was the path less travelled. It was the path that actually wasn't going to bring all the comfort Naomi's desperate attempts to discourage her showed that Naomi wasn't expecting her to do it. Naomi was expecting to do this path alone. That it was going to be the path less less travelled. It was going to be a path where there were some, some bitter times, some hard times, some tough times. And Naomi was saying to her, Ruth, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm counting the cost for you. I'm counting the cost for you, Ruth, because I love it here today. Sometimes people are going to count the cost for you and it's not their cost to count. People have tried to count the cost for me, for my life and for our calling. And, people have, and I know that they have meant well. I know that they have been able to see that this is going to be a tough road, Vicky. And I love you. But it has never been their cost to count of your moment. Maybe because when you count the cost... You stay the path. You stay the path. Ruth knew that her choice is going to lead her into a place where she may not be accepted. The Moabites were looked down on by the Israelites. 
So she wasn't going in in a place where she was held in high regard, in high esteem. She knew that was what she was heading into. She wasn't going in for status. She was also a widow and she was also in that day and age. So when she commit again, I want us to understand the cost to this commitment. The cost to this commitment. But still she chose the path less travelled. To not only to commit when there was safety in numbers and everybody else was in on it. And she thought, well, I'll be all right because I've got Orpah. Where she stood alone and said, Naomi, don't tell me to go again. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God and nothing but death will separate us. And she chose to stand in what would be quite a lonely place and commit again. Don't commit from a place of popularity. Don't commit from a place of number. Don't commit from a place of having a fan base. Commit being stood before God and counting the cost and still committing again. At that moment when she chose that path, she had to shrink down her own needs. She had to bring down her own emotions. She had to bring down her own feelings of knowing what she would possibly enter into. And she needed to get on the path, she needed to walk the path, and she knew she needed to stay the path. I don't believe at any moment when Ruth counted the cost plan of getting off. No. None whatsoever. I don't believe she had a thought of, well, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't matter. Because she committed again with her heart. As they arrived in Bethlehem, there is excitement over Naomi. They're like, it's Naomi! She's back! She's back! And then Naomi speaks and she says about the tragedy that she's been through and all the time Ruth is there. The woman who has given up, she didn't just commit to Naomi, she committed again to Naomi. And Ruth was never mentioned. It's all about Naomi. Naomi's back. She's back. How wonderful to have Naomi back. And Ruth could have been stood there going, um, hang on a minute. Like, this has cost me. <laughs> like, the fact that I'm here, stood next to Naomi, and nobody's recognized me. Do you realize the cost? She could have been looking at Naomi and going, eh, you're telling your story of your tragedy, but you've never once turned and gone, but, but Ruth... But Ruth came with me. You see, don't opt for man's praise and recognition. Man's praise and recognition will derail you off the path. If you only get on the path because people have praised you and recognized you and said, aren't they wonderful? Aren't they amazing? Your path is fast going to come to an end. Is, is a path that's built on man's, man's words and man's praise. And you know something, when you walk a path that is built on God's word, and God's praise, and how God sees you, that path is immovable, and that path is unshakable. So Ruth stood quietly, while all this is going on about Naomi. And she just stayed the path, and she just stood by her side, because she'd committed to a path called faithfulness. It says, now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. 
So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. As it happened, as if by some chance. You see, the moment Ruth committed with her heart to the path called faithfulness, the moment she committed to this woman in need, the moment she chose the path less travelled, the moment she chose not to be offended by the fact she'd been overlooked when there was the great big fanfare for Naomi arriving home, the moment her very own as-it-happened moments. The moment she made the right choices and she just stayed the path regardless, she was going to encounter so many as-it-happened moments. Because these as-it-happened moments were not a fluke and they were not just by chance. Staying on the path of from a lady who'd come from nothing. Ruth had no status. She did not come from an upright family. She did not have wealth. Ruth had nothing. But the moment she committed again and she put herself on the path called faithfulness, that was what was going to open the doors for her. As it happened, let me just find where I am. Ah, in Boaz, that was it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. As it happened, she found herself working in the very field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem. You see, we can read this story as a whole load of chance meetings. As it happened, she ended up in the field. As it happened in the field, Boaz arrives at the field and starts to ask questions about who she is. If you revisit your moment today and you reconnect with your moment, your future is full of God as it happened moments. Full of them. Full of them. You will never want for anything. Will it be tough? Yes, it will be tough. I don't believe that this was a bed of roses for but her commitment and her faithfulness to the path that she had chosen opened doors and activated miraculous moments. She was in the right place at the right time. And you know what that right place was? The path called faithfulness. Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked, who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she's the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Have you ever been in a period of life where you feel like you have been hard at work ever since? that you feel like, God, you know that vision you gave me? Well, it felt like hard work ever since you gave it me. And actually, the sun is beating down on me. We've got no money and no food at home, but you gave me a vision. And actually, it doesn't look like the vision that you gave me. You see, did Ruth at this point go, I'm out of here? Naomi, I tried my hardest. 
I, try, I really did. I really did my best, but it's just too hard. Now, you see, in the field where it says she's been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter, the shelter from the baking midday sun. You see, I'm pretty sure she needed to remind herself of that moment <laughs> where she committed again wholeheartedly. She, she bought him. I believe there were times when she needed to remind herself of the moment when she gave the speech that came from her heart to Naomi. You see, when she gave that speech and she committed, she didn't know she was going to end up in Boaz's field. She didn't even know what she was going to do when she arrived where she was going with Naomi. She just knew she had to go. She just knew that somewhere along this journey, it was all going to be okay. And she chose the path called faithfulness. And she didn't just choose it, she chose to stay the path. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather your grain. Don't go to any other fields. Don't, uh, stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the... Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked. I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. You don't need to go around and say to people, and I don't need to go around and say to people, but do you know what I did? Do you realize what it cost? Because God will make a way. And people will see your sacrifice when they need to see your sacrifice. People will see my sacrifice when they need to see my, my sacrifice. God will lift you up. God will give people an understanding about you and the cost and your faithfulness that will come from God, not from us. Yeah, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you've done for your mother-in-law. You left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. You see, Boaz knew that everything he could give to Ruth wasn't even going to come close to the blessings that she would stay that she would receive from staying under his wing. You see, the story goes on and table. She's given more and more food to take home. Boaz becomes her redeemer. And he marries her. And they have a son together. And that son was King David's grandfather. When Ruth chose the path that she did, and remembered that moment with her heart. Ruth had no idea that she was going to end up in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Ruth had no idea what was going to come. Ruth had no idea that she was going to give birth to a son who was going to be the, father, the grandfather of King David. Ruth had no idea, but you know what? She didn't need to. Because the minute we take 
and we see, oh, there's going to be status and oh, there's going to be this. That isn't a path of faithfulness to God and faithfulness to the call. It's a path of faithfulness to me and it's a path of faithfulness to you. Ruth was a woman who came from nothing but became named in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, King of Saviour of the world because status comes from God and God alone. The call on us is to stay the path. Ruth was known not because of who she knew in circles around her, not because of what she owned, because of what she did. I've been so inspired recently and of a lady who you know we have loved dearly. And I'm just going to touch briefly on this because Corinne's family are here with us today. And they've chosen today to put God at the centre because they knew that was what Corinne would want. And as I read this story of Ruth, I'm reminded of a lady called Corinne who has known me through my naughty years. (laughs) So's Warren. Who's known me and their son through muddy Christian camps at Hollybush together. But through a a lady who remained faithful. I referred to her this morning as a giant in the faith. You see, we can look at these Bible characters and we can take great inspiration from them. But you know, we have giants in the faith that live among us. And Corinne is my inspiration because I have seen that you never, ever once heard her say, why me? I never once heard her blame God I heard her tell me that she was still praying for us all and that when she couldn't be at church, she'd be praying back home. And the moment she had opportunity to be in the Lord's house, she would be here. And Corinne, the giant in the faith, last night entered eternity where she would sing the Lord's praises forever, which Corinne loved to do. She loved us. And I would say today for all of us, You see, both Ruth and Corinne were not who they were because of who they knew or because of what they owned or because of status, but because of what they did. Because of what they did. Ruth was a woman who stayed the path. Corinne was a woman who stayed the path. And both ladies have testimonies, generation to generation. Why? Because they stayed the path and they remained faithful. And I would say today that God is asking you, do you need to commit again? Is there something you need to commit again to? Maybe it's serving the Lord. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a decision you've made over finances. And you know that you committed to God over something. But somehow it's never too late to get back on. It's never too late to join the path of faithfulness again. You know, maybe today you need to commit again with your life to God. Maybe you've just wandered away from him. Maybe you've just wandered away and took life into your own hands. Maybe you need to recommit to that moment that you know was a God-defining moment in your life. Maybe you need to commit again to something you agreed to. 
Maybe you need to commit again to genuinely serving him when no one else sees. Maybe you need to commit again to stay in the path even when it's tough. When you do, the rewards are endless. Your protection, your provision and your future are on the path. When Ruth ended up in Boaz's field, he made sure that the men didn't for her so that she could pick it up. He made sure that she was able to pick up from the best place on the field. Because on the path called faithfulness was her provision, her security and her future. What is God saying to you today that you need to commit again over? And when you, need to, when you commit again, commit wholeheartedly and stay the path. Amen.